Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Matty A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. I've got a great guest for you, my man, Joey Gilbert, the future governor of Nevada, at least that is the campaign that he is running and working extremely hard on. This is uh, someone that I've really grown to admire and have a lot of respect for, first and foremost, to always tell you that he is a father first. He is an attorney, a successful business owner, and now playing in the political space and really making some big waves in Nevada. He is somebody that I think would say he is on the conservative ticket, however, falls more in line with you know, independent. However, we're seeing a lot of leaders like Joey that feel called to step into the political arena, not because they have desires of being a politician, but because they're disgusted with what has been happening in politics over the last couple years. And his journey and story is epic in general. So I know you're going to love and get a lot of lessons from just being someone that really was counted out from day one and has fought and scrapped literally and figuratively his entire career to unlock and level up insane successes, wealth, and now impact on a level that I don't even think he initially thought would be a part of his journey when he first started out. And I think when you think, when you look back to all the most impactful and amazing leaders, they didn't say that, you know, from day one, they were going to be this person. It was being called up to this time in their life and this spot in their life that they felt they had to do something. It was a part of their DNA. And hearing his story, his perspective, and how he has been able to do that has been extremely inspiring and somebody that um, I appreciate his friendship and his mentorship. And I'm excited for you guys to get a little taste of what that looks like from Mr. Joey Gilbert today. So he, he talks a lot about you know being on this war path for humanity now. And I think you guys are going to get a sense of why and feel his energy and his passion for what he does and how he does it. And I'm excited to see people and leaders stepping into the political arena, really throwing punches and getting after career politicians who aren't there with the right intentions, who aren't there to serve the general masses. And he is somebody that I think whether you agree with him, his stances, his message is a perfect example of what type of leaders and people we need to be stepping up in times like this in crisis and moving forward in general. And I think we're going to start to see a lot more of that in the coming years. So you guys are going to get a little taste of him today and we'll have all the links, all the resources in the show notes for you guys at millionermindcast.com. But with that being said, let's not waste any more time. Let's dig into today's episode with Mr. Joey Gilbert, right off his quick message from today's show sponsor. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started.
Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show the People's Champ, Joey Gilbert. What's up, brother? What's up, man? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on here. It seems like forever, you know, since we met and got to finally get back yes. in front of each other. I mean, albeit it's, uh, you know, digitally, but hey, it's how things are cracking these days. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. You know, last time we were, um, well, I was drinking some wine. I know you keep, <laughs> you keep it nice and clean. And, uh, you know, we were uh, getting to connect on one, just hearing your amazing story, bro, and all the cool shit that you've done in your life and the impact that you've made along the way. Um, but now this, you know, this war path that you've been on, you know, I heard you say war path for humanity and this fight of really transitioning into being, you know, the leader that I think many of us feel like we're missing in the political arenas. And we're going to talk about your run for governorship of Nevada. So I'm just really excited to have you on the show today, man. Excited to be here, man. Yeah, it really has been like, if you ever asked me, I think we had a kind of little talked about this a little bit at dinner, but I never, I mean, this was not my bucket list. You know, like we've all got things we want to do. This, this is not one of them. Like helicopter skiing and, you know, in, in different places of the world is part of it, you know, diving in places and, you know, traveling, you know, being in, in Bora Bora. I mean, but this, like what I'm doing right now, uh, I, I just kind of ended up here. I feel like the Lord put me here, you know, no, no matter what people think, if you're spiritual or not or whatever, I really do feel like in February, March uh, 2020, there was just something, you know, I, I had a feeling something was coming. Um, you just you just feel it. I mean, I saw the, the whole thing coming from overseas when, you know, Trump stopped uh, travel from China because of COVID. And I just to me, just something that moment, I was like, dude, there's something coming. Like, it just didn't seem to me like, you know, we have other scares, SARS and other stuff, but for me, I saw something coming and then my parents caught COVID and that was like, someone tapped me on the shoulder and was like, you're up. And that's how it's been. We are now going into, you know, God, two full years of just battling, you know, it has been a battle and it's nonstop. I mean, it has not ended the intensity, the, you know, vibration, you know, however you want to look at it. I've just been on deck uh, fighting, as I said, you know, the, the, the warrior for humanity and just, the people's champ, truly. I mean, I know that's up there. That's my regular website just before I even, that was my website before COVID. And then now it's become, I become that, I guess, you know, you visually, if you know, visual vision boards and whatnot, you put it up there you become it. So that's what's happened, man. And we've done so much good stuff to get our kids back in school, to get them out of mass, to, you know, God, to get our churches open and provide access to life-saving medications We've all done it. And a year ago, two years ago, I was, you know, just an attorney here in Reno, raising my daughter and enjoying the the fun parts of life, getting out on Tahoe on the boat and skiing. And now, uh, now we just, now we just do what we do. Yes. And I know we're going to be, we're going to be peeling back a lot of layers to those important topics. Cause I know that, you know, you, you ain't afraid to one, get in the ring and fight about something that you're, you're passionate about and that you believe in. Um, but two, to talk about things that people are scared to talk about. And I think oh, that's yeah. a big part of why people are so heavily supporting and behind you is because they know that you're going to fight for them around things that matter. And you're going to do the things that, you know, uh, a lot of people are afraid of getting canceled over. And so I, I want to talk about that, but I want to talk about this fighters mentality that you have built up over really the course of your entire career and, and journey. Yes. So I know you've got, you know, the championship mentality and formula. Um, but that's what it says there. It says winning in every possible area of your life with your fists up. And that's what we're going to get into of, of what, what my entire ethos is, which is very respectful, polite. But you know this, you watch plenty of fights. When fighters start a fight, they walk out and they touch gloves. That's not saying anything other than it's on, man. It's on like Donkey Kong. And so that's what, that's what, that's what I am. I, I am the uh, eternal fighter uh, for good. And, and that's what I love. I think, you know, um, Tim Grover is, uh, is one of my, you know, I, I enjoy a lot of his content and his authorship. And he was the, you know, uh, health strength and kind of mindset coach for Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, you know, a lot of these athletes. And one of the things that he talks about is like every single one of those people, man, they were so disciplined, you know, they were so dialed in, so respectful, but they were also really dangerous. Like they had yeah. dark side in this edge that they knew when it was time to tap into that, like you better watch out because they'll cut your throat. And, and that was part of 
when you're playing the game and whatever arena of life you're playing it in, you know when and how to tap into that. I know that's something that you have proven time and time again in your journey. So for those that aren't familiar of where your journey started, Joey, take us back real quick. (laughs) Give us a little bit of what has led you to where you're at today. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because it's not what people would ever think, you know, um, I'm from, you know, kid was born in Chicago, moved out to Nevada in fourth grade and, you know, was a smaller kid. And, you know, I'll just say that throughout high school, I was bullied tremendously. I was not this tough fighter. I was not anything. I was about five foot, even, you know, 110 pounds dripping wet. You know, then I put on a little weight and I had a nickname. They called me Doey, which to this day, you know, if you want to get me turned around quick, that (laughs) that used to drive me nuts. And I mean, stuff happened to me that you look back at now that these schools wouldn't even be open anymore. I mean, stuff where, um, you know, we called it hazing back then. It would have been, it's over. It's, these schools are done. I'm, I'm a multimillionaire sitting in the Cayman Islands, you know, laughing. But it really was like, it's one of those things where, you go a couple ways. You either end up on a grassy knoll, you know, shooting people or something or with purple hair, hating them, everyone, or you become this jovial, um, you know, guy who can handle any type of adversity, no matter what is said, no matter what is thrown at you, no matter how you are, you know, you know, thrown into something, you just find a way to survive. And I think that's, you know, that's why I ended up at 19 years old. I walk in, you know, and I, and I played college. I mean, I played high school sports. I did very well my senior year. That was like kind of when I started growing a little bit, but I grew almost four and a half inches, five inches between graduating uh, high school and, you know, my, my end of my first year in college. So I went, poof, I went from like five, you know, five, 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 six up to five eleven, and you got in shape. And then after a year of partying like a rock star at the university of Nevada, joining my fraternity SAE and just, you know, losing my mind because my father, Lieutenant Colonel in the Marine Corps, went to a Catholic school. When I got out, I moved out at 17. I mean, on the night, on the clock strike of midnight on my 18th birthday, I was out and I've never to return. <laughs> so I sailed out of there, moved into a, into a house up at the university. And the rest is history, man, because I had such a great time. I had too much fun. I actually failed out of school my first semester and first year and had to take summer school at the community college to get back in by the next fall. And it was because of that, um, very, um, you know, passionate, you know, uh, you know, I guess, you know, participation in all things extracurricular at school that I said to myself, I better figure this out because if I end up doing this again, if I party like this the next four years, I'm going to not do so well. So I actually walked on the boxing team at nine years, 19 years old. I'd never boxed a day in my life. I'd never been in a fight really. And there's a, there's a little bit more of a story that I actually was with a guy who was on the boxing team the year prior when something went down and we got in a little scrap outside of a college bar where, you know, I ended up swiping a guy's legs and, you know, give him a crack or something. And this guy goes, dude, you need to come on the boxing team. And I said, listen, man, that was an act of God. Like I will never be, I don't know what happened there. Like I just tried to movie trick on him. It happened to work. Like I'm not a fighter. And we left it alone. The whole year went by. And then the boxing team needed more lightweight guys. So he came back to me the next year and he goes, Hey, you should walk on the team. You should come on the team, try and come check it out. So I walked in there 19 years old and I always tell people, it's just something I could do. If you ever remember the, the movie, Goodwill Hunting, you know, it's just, I could just do it. It was like math. Like I couldn't, I can't really explain it. I could just see things. Everything slowed down. I understood the point system. I went on to never lose a fight in college. You know, went on to be a three-time national champ, four-time All-American, four-time regional champ, and, you know, one of the quickest knockouts in college boxing history where you're wearing a headgear, like 12 seconds, just on timing. Just, I understood it. I can't, I can't really say anything other than things slowed down. I understood the point system and I could just make things, you know, do what they do. And so I was very lucky because, you know, I went through college, you know, became a champ, you know, got out of college. One of my uh, mentors talked me into joining the military said I should become a lawyer during the military. I'm like, I don't want to be a lawyer. And I really don't want to go in the military, but he said, it'd be good for you. You never know later in life. So I did it, but I went to law school. If you remember the movie, Jerry Maguire, I went to the law school because of Tom Cruise's movie, Jerry Maguire. I wanted to be a sports agent. And in that movie, he says, I got how I ended up here at a law school. And I was like, I want to be a sports agent. So I should go to law school. I go to law school. It's nothing like you'd ever, I hated it. I mean, to say I hated it is an understatement. And I had to defer a year. I went through basic training in the Air Force, you know, graduated top of my class and everything, was dorm chief, 
you know, reset all the base records because to me, like Air Force basic training and, you know, training to be a, you know, three-time national champ, four-time All-American, all that. So I had fun with it and loved it. And it was a little older as I was going through. So I excelled, but I got back from Air Force basic training and from tech school and the Golden Gloves was about to happen in Vegas. And one of my coaches said, well, you know, you wouldn't really do that good in the open amateurs. It's not college. And I was like, wait, what? Like, it was just one of those, like, what'd you say? <laughs> and so, so of course I enter the tournament. I fight up a weight class. I'm the only guy that has to fight three nights in a row. I stopped two guys. I beat the next guy in a you know, unanimous decision, win the golden gloves, win the regional golden gloves, break my nose, can't go on to fight the nationals. But I ended up healing and turning pro had my first pro fight right before law school and then I tell my father, uh, Hey dad, you know, I really like this, you know, boxing, you know, pro I want to, I want to stay in it. And he's and my dad is very man of very few words. He says, negative son, uh, you're not doing that. You know, you went to law, you went to the air force to get, you know, to do stuff, you know, to get money for law school, you're going to law school. But if you want to box while you're in law school, you did it when you're in college. So you, so do it. So I did. And, you know, I went to law school in San Diego and in the summertime, when all my friends went and did externships and internships and clerk for judges, I went to Mexico City and went to one of the toughest gyms in Mexico City called Panchos Rosales. And I learned how to punch to the body. And my Mexican brothers, the sisters, man, I'm telling you, they're both, I mean, women in there, men in there, they, they, they got me up to speed. And so I actually credit those summers when I probably should have been clerking or doing something that would have been so boring and I would have hated it. But I went to Mexico. I learned how to punch to the body. I learned how to take punches to the body. You want to talk about tough, you know, our, our, our Hispanic or Latino fighters, man, that's why they get that name for it. They are so tough. I just learned toughness and, you know, punching to the body more than anything came back, you know, and finished law school, kept boxing. And then, you know, because of that, I moved to Las Vegas with a friend and we're, uh, we're at a, um, uh, at my house watching a fight one night, watching Sugar Shane Mosley was fighting Winky Wright. And I got a phone call from some friends that night and they said, Hey, do you want to come? We got some extra tickets, just general, you know, general mission, nothing big, but I had all the homies at the house for barbecue. And I'm like, no, no, man, we're good. But like any young fighter that's on the up and up, you go to the, to the fight afterwards, after parties were dressed and, you know, I'm wearing a suit. I look like a casino host. And this is when Sylvester Stallone was coming out with this, his show, The Contender. So while we're watching it at night, you know, whenever there's a celebrity in the crowd, they put the camera on them and they show them and Sly Waves and Sugar Ray Leonard Waves. And they say, Sylvester Stallone coming out this fall will be the contender and blah, blah, blah. And one of my buddies goes, dude, you should go down there and tell Sly you want to be on the contender. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go tell him I'm going to be on the contender. Well, again, your vision, you know, you, you start creating it. We go down there. And one thing about fighters that people need to know is that if you lose a fight, your after party kind of gets canceled. It's not like it's what it should be. Yeah, so right. we, had, we had some connects to Shane and we were going to go to his after party. Well, he loses. So now we're here at Mandalay Bay. We're walking around and outside a place called Rum Jungle at the time. You probably remember back in the day. There's a restaurant called Lupe, Italian restaurant that's still there. Well, Stallone's in there having dinner. And people are like, and my two buddies, one of them's a timeshare guy. The other guy's an attorney at down in Vegas. And they said, hey. Mr. Uh, I can talk my way to the White House. Why don't you go tell Sly you want to be on a show? And I had to do this real quick because, you know, you get nervous. I went, I was doing this. I'm jumping up and down. I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to do it. And I go walking towards him. And there's this huge, ginormous security guy. But remember, I'm in a suit. I look like a casino host guy. Well, I start to walk towards him. And I do a little spin move and roll around him. and get by Sly. And I, I end up taking a knee by Sly. And I tap him on the knee. I said, Mr. Stallone, he looks down. I said, Mr. Stallone, Joey Gilbert, I'm a three-time national champ, four-time All-American. I said, I won the Golden Gloves. I was an English lit major, just like you, Sly. I said, I finished law school. I'm in the military. I'm a pro fighter, 7-0 and with seven knockouts. And of everything I said, he looks down at me and he goes, are you Italian? I said, yes. And he goes, what's with Gilbert? I said, I was adopted by my stepfather, Dr. Gilbert, but my real last name is Tremont. He goes, no shit. I said, no shit. He stands up at the table. He says, gentlemen, and at this table is uh, Mark Burnett, Jeffrey Katzenberg, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, George Foreman, Conrad Riggs, Jeff Wald. He says, gentlemen, this is Joey Gilbert. Sly is one of the most amazing, intelligent people you'll ever meet on planet Earth. He goes, this is Joey Gilbert. He gives back my entire resume, just as I gave it. Three-time national champ, four-time All-American, won the Golden Gloves, 
just finished law school, English lit major, just like me. Like this throws that in there. Says, you know, finished law school, was in the military, seven and O's a pro with seven knockouts. And I'll never forget Sugar Ray Leonard goes, Oh, so you can punch. And I said, not like you, Mr. Leonard, but I'm doing all right like that. And so that was it. And I swear on you on this, I never turned in an application. I never sent in the video. I never filled out anything. On Monday morning, I got a call from Mark Burnett Productions from a 310 number. I'm laying in this little, little townhouse in Vegas that ended up getting foreclosed on when everything hit, you know, bad in 2008. But I'll never forget. I'm sitting there and I see this 310 number. It's like 7.30 in the morning. I answer it. They're like, this is, you know, so and so from Mark Burnett Studios. Uh, we'd like to invite you out to Los Angeles and have you do, you know, whatever. I went out there. Not only did I try out, but they used me in the commercials. So I got my SAG card. I got on the contender and the re- I ended up being the fan favorite. You know, everything went awesome. It gave us insane exposure. So that is really what's helped my entire career. I was able to build a huge law practice up here in Reno, Tahoe, even did some work in Vegas and my name got very well known. And then from that, you know, here I am just, you know, doing an awesome you know thing. I did some cannabis. I think I told you about that. We opened up dispensaries, a, a fully vertically integrated company up here in Nevada that we sold out of mint cannabis and kind got, got done with that. And I'm just cruising along. It's 2019. Everything's looking great. My, my president, Donald Trump's about to crush on everybody. I'm super excited, you know, because the country's rocking. Everything seems to be going great. And I had no doubt in my mind, I had just flown out to Trump Doral, you know, and again, you gotta remember, let's, let's back up a second. Let's go back to December, 2019 first. So where everything's fine. We know we're coming up on an election, an election year. Right. But then, you know, I, like I said, I, I see something, you know, President Trump, love him or hate him, doesn't matter. I thought he did a great job with what, the, what he was doing with the country. But no matter what, you can't argue with the man sometimes said stuff that just wasn't necessary right. or he tweeted things. And so there were days where he'd do things. I'd be like, why? Like, I mean, like, why? Like, I mean, like, why? Like, I mean, you didn't need to say that. Like, I mean, we were good. Yeah. But anyway, and so I mean, this is one of those nights where it's late night. I'm watching one of the, you know, financial channels. It's like, President Trump suspends air travel from China. And I'm thinking, dude, like, you're renegotiating the trade deal. Like, we're going, like, what, this is, what's going on? So that's the only reason why I looked in a little bit. And I looked at this Wuhan virus. Next thing you know, I mean, again, and this is, I always tell everybody, because they say like, so Joey, how did you like get so involved in this Corona stuff, which we'll talk about, but just want you to know, this was the extent of it. I look at China, I look where South Korea is, and I'm thinking, well, anything there is definitely going there next. So this was how, this is my, this is like rocket science type level, you know, brain stuff, right? So I type into Google at the time, coronavirus treatment, South Korea, and I hit enter. And the very first query that pops up says hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, doxycycline, and zinc sulfate. So I call the old man. Like I said, my father's three times deployed combat trauma surgeon with the Marine Corps, attached to the Navy. Got to be very careful with that or he freaks out. <laughs> so I call him. I'm like, yo, pops. And my dad and I are like best friends. I'm like, yo, pops, we got to get this stuff. And he's like, son, that's a dangerous uh, medication. I've said that. If, whatever, right? You know, say some other words, but I say, Dad, get out of here. I'm looking right here. I'm on the CDC website. It says safe for women and children for up to five years and safe for pregnant women. I'm like, Dad, that's not even on Tylenol. I said, that's not even on. And he goes, I'll call you tomorrow. My dad's very calm. I'll call you tomorrow. And he calls me back the next day and he goes, Son, so I looked it up and uh, you're right. That is a safe medication. And you know what? And I, we completed the sentence for him. I said, You took it when you went to Africa because he got deployed for Africa. Yeah. So that's where insert Joey Gilbert becomes, you know, the whole thing. And, but just to give you an idea of the boxing career went from boxing into, like I said, law school, out of law school, start, you know, doing stuff in Vegas contender, you know, go superstardom on that. Cause you're coming off that, like we did numbers. I mean, I went to England, the UK, and it was a bigger star there. I went to Tokyo and, you know, did stuff for Sly. I went and did USO tours. I went to Afghanistan and Iraq three times to see our troops and they had armed forces network where they just kept that thing on repeat. So I got to meet a bunch of the most amazing people. And, you know, Sly became a friend. I used to work out and, you know, in a gym with his buddy Gunner and then take us, you know, town car back to his house to change and eat just stuff people would never believe. And um, just the greatest opportunity and experience of my life. But I will say this, the most fun I had definitely was those USO tours going to see our troops and just being there with them and seeing what they were going through and just being able to experience that. 
that was out of all the fun stuff I did, that was probably the most fun. I love that, man. I, and I, I just love your energy and your passion and how you show up for people and causes that mean something to you. And I think those are amazing qualities in, in a leader, especially when it's not popular or you know you're going to have a big... Party. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> right? Yeah, not popular. Well, you got to remember, Nevada is a blue state or kind of blue, at least where I'm at, Washoe County and Clark County. And, you know, we have blue governor, you know, just like your absolute knucklehead Newsom. I mean, I'd like to grab that guy. Anyway, oh, the deal is, um, you know, when I spoke up first... People were like, Joey, you know, and I said, no, 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 listen, I'm not sitting down on this. Like my dad got this. I saw him. He was better in an hour. My mom was better in six hours. Then the Nevada Osteopathic Medical Association, NOMA, the osteopaths hired me. I repped 300 doctors. And to this day, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of patients without even a hospitalization when we got early treatment uh, ahead of time. So I didn't need, I wasn't being told. No one could tell me nothing. And next thing you know, I see Dr. Simone Gold, America's Frontline Doctors, they're on the Supreme Court steps in their white lab coats yep. and they're talking. And I was like, dude, I had tears in my eyes that day because I was like, vindication. Like, you know, here I am trying to tell people I've got doctors saying, so Joey, where did you get your medical degree? You know, where, how do you know about this? I remember saying to people, I think I told you this, I said, I'll tell you where I got it. YouTube. I got it on YouTube. All right. Because I'd be watching all these things. I mean, I mean, Maddie, I drew, I never forget, I drew a circle and colored it all in of like the cell, the lung cell and how COVID gets in and how, you know, hydroxychloroquine or even, even uh, quinine or whatever it is, anything that can help get the zinc into the cell, it shuts down the replication. It, it basically, you know, kills it, for lack of words. If it can't keep growing, if it can't keep replicating, it dies. So I learned stuff and I remember like arguing with doctors I'm like, no, you just don't understand it. And they're like, no, you know, I'm like, no, well, then why don't you explain the pharmacokinetics behind, and they're just, you know, behind hydroxychloroquine or behind, behind ivermectin. And it was just crickets. I'm like, that's right, because you don't know. And so the next thing you know, just whacking them. And then by the time I'm done, they're like, well, you obviously have done your homework. I'm like, and you obviously haven't. So you should probably shut up and stop telling people to stop taking something you don't know anything about. So me and Dr. Gold and the whole America's Frontline Doctors thing, was so amazing because I got to interact with the world's leading experts. And now I went from a board member to now just two weeks ago, I'm chairman of the board of America's Frontline Doctors, which is pretty cool for a lawyer uh, ex-fighter that you know people thought was partially like brain dead. You look at the comments on Twitter and stuff. Hey, punchy, you know, hey, moron, you know, hey, retard. That's what they say. Like been hit in the head too many times. I'm like, well, but actually um, all the science and data out of the top universities now says this is the number one treatment. So, you know, stop picking on me. I know I got hit a lot. <laughs> so I think that a lot of people can relate to this, but there's something a little bit different about you in terms of a lot of people feel called to do something or, you know, they see a shot that they want to take and they're either worried about failure. They're worried about getting knocked out. They're worried about somebody, you know, ranting on them on Twitter and canceling them. What, what is your mentality around why you keep betting on yourself and pushing through those mental and oftentimes physical roadblocks that every single person on this planet experiences in some capacity? Well, you know, I'll credit a lot. First of all, I mean, you're either born with it or you're not. I got to be honest with you. I mean, there's just certain things, just like a chin in boxing, you either got one or you don't. You can't teach it. You can't teach work at work ethic. <clears throat> you can't teach <clears throat> heart. You can have the most talented guy in the world, but if he doesn't want to put in the work, then that's it. So I think I'm just, I was blessed. I was, you know, born with certain things, but then that comes become, you know, you do have to work at it. You know, champions aren't born, they're made. You know, so the rest of it is you got to take that talent and you got to mix it with just an unparalleled work ethic and drive. And that's just something I have. And I'm, I've never been the smartest guy in the room. I've never been the most talented, but I will grind you out. You know, I will grind you up. I will keep going until my last breath. And I just don't give up. And that's the, that's the thing here. And again, I credit a lot of it, you know, a couple of people in life, my grandfather, my father and Tony Robbins, believe it or not. I'm a huge Tony Robbins guy. I went through Master University. I went through his Leadership Academy. I was a peak performance coach. You know, I mean, I understand excitement, passion, NLP. You know, I know how to get to people. I know how to deliver messages. But I think, you know, also then I take into Sly, you know, Sly Stallone, Sylvester Stallone. You know, you don't just talk the talk. You got to walk the walk. And so, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. It's not just about, you know, you can't tell people to eat healthy and do this and do that and then 
go be a disaster. I mean, who wants to listen to that? I mean, I've never had a coach that was some overweight beast that I'm going to listen to. I'm going to listen to a guy who's in shape, who, 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 who like I said, like looks the part, talks the part, acts the part. So I'm, I'm big on that. And I think that, you know, you need to embody and emulate all the things that you're, you're talking about. So for me on the, on the boxing side, that was just a lot of it was something I had never done and being kind of like dared into it and then falling in love with it and then just wanting to become the best at it. And that's like, you no, know, I don't remember. It was a book about 10,000 hours. I forget what it was called. Malcolm Gladwell. Was it? Malcolm Gladwell's Mastery. Yes. Yes. And so I think that, you know, when I, like I told you, I walked in the gym at 19. I don't think I missed a day in the gym for the next decade. I don't care if it was a Sunday. I was either running or doing sit-ups or doing something you know, shadow boxing, jumping rope. I just loved it. And I just, you know, went to that level quickly. But then, you know, now let's let's fast forward where we're at now. Same thing with law, never had practiced before and just opened a law firm and people told me I couldn't do it. And it was just like, I don't like being told I can't do things, number one. Number two, this one, I'll say this though, on what I'm doing now with like running for an office, you know, first of all, like I said earlier, I never had this as one of my bucket lists. I still can't even believe some days I wake up, I'm like, I'm really running for governor and I'm like leading. Like, I mean, this is insane. You know, this is really crazy. But when you, like you said, people in this, in, in this time that we're in right now, so badly wanted someone. I mean, so many people think the way I'm thinking and feel the way I'm feeling and they just don't have the, the platform or they don't feel like they have the, the right position or they're afraid to speak out. And so I really do feel like I am the people's champ. And this one was <clears throat> the, the end for me was there's three things. There's three lines in the sand, you know, for me. Number one was hiding a medication that could have ended this thing by April or May 2020, which they absolutely did. And it'll come out over the next couple of years. It's going to come out and they should be perp walking some of these doctors and CEOs out of hospitals. I hope they're charged with crimes against humanity I'll gladly lead that, you know, effort myself. If I don't win governor, don't worry about it. I'm not going anywhere, dude. It's, it's on like Donkey Kong because these people did stuff that's so atrocious because I watched with my own eyes, tens of thousands of people. We were doing almost 3,500, 5,000 people a day in our telemed through America's frontline doctors. And none of these people ended up hospitalized or dead. Right. So that was not line. Number one was hiding the medication. Line number two was the children. Our beautiful children, when they sent these kids home, <clears throat> when we learned that they were the least likely, the demographic least likely to suffer any adverse events from this and actually are now more likely to, to receive a thousand times more harm from this unproven Fauci ouchie, as I call it, so we don't get banned on anything. But the bottom line is the Fauci ouchie, untested, unproven, unnecessary, ineffective, but yet they want to stick in every kid's arm. So when they did the sticking the kids home from, from school, the distance learning, then they canceled their sports. And I'm watching these beautiful babies. And I've got an 11-year-old. And my, my, my daughter's my world. Like, she's priority number one. She is my greatest accomplishment. She will be in. She is a, she's just, she's a, she's rad. Like, she's, anyway, she's my favorite person. You know, I'm not going to hide that. And so when I saw that, you know, she's homeschooled, but when her friends are coming over here and I got 10 of these little suckers on a trampoline eating out of house and home, I'm sending staff to Costco twice a week. And I'm going like, they get sick. Like, what's up with you guys? Like, you're home here to get sick. Like, because then once they're sick, then you get them, get rid of them, right? But I didn't even see a running nose. And that's, I didn't see one of these things. And the mama bears, the moms are the ones that caught on first because they take care of the kids. So they're going like, wait a second here, you know, what's going on here? And then I start getting calls from moms. Like, when are you getting our kids back in school? I'm like, me? Like, I'm, I mean, I, I know I'm doing some stuff here to like get the medicine, but okay. So I start looking into that. Then we form the People's Champ Pack, which that's my regular website, but we just take it and we make a pack and we start trying to fix the schools, you know, because one thing everybody learned about, the distance learning opened everyone's eyes to CRT and, you know, transgender indoctrination and just restorative discipline and credit recovery, just absurd things that anywhere in life as a business owner, you know, I don't know if you know what credit recovery is, but credit recovery is <clears throat> you don't have to do any work. You don't have to pass any tests. You don't have to turn any assignments. And you don't have to even go to class. At the end of the semester, you get about five hours of extra credit and you do it. And then you get a C and you get passed. So this is just disaster stuff, right? And then on top of that, <clears throat> at the end of the semester, so these kids got sent home, in, you know, March, April, May, June. So I'm helping some, my niece ends up over here. She's going to public school at the time. 
She has the packet she's supposed to finish and I couldn't even do it. Okay, in math. I mean, I'm not gonna, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, but she was, you know, going into freshman year. <clears throat> I'm not a math guy. I can write you the most beautiful paper. I can do an awesome report, dude. I can bust out whatever you need for court, but math just isn't my deal. So I had to hire tutors for her, but I'm thinking to myself, if I'm having to do this for her, and I've got the resources. What are these other poor kids going through? What about all these other kids? And when I say they got crushed, Maddie, they got crushed 90% plus fatal. Nevada, much like California, which they don't tell you about it, this doesn't make the news, had the highest per capita suicides in the nation, unemployment in the nation, small business disaster in the nation. And it just, you kept seeing it. We were the, California and Nevada were the number one of all the bad areas you want to be in. Suicide, uh, homicide, unemployment, inflation—you know, um, you know, you know, sexual abuse—you name it. Because the one thing about these kids that people don't know, especially in these public schools and in kids that are in bad spots, who are the people that see these kids? Teachers and coach, teachers and coach. So when you don't have teacher and coach seeing you, and you're in a bad, bad environment, you're you're in trouble. So what happened to these kids? Like I said, it was a personal thing. I'll get emotional because I got calls from parents where these kids took their lives. And I still remember some of these calls. I come in and parents ended up at my office. I pull up to my office. There's 10 parents standing out outside. It became a deal. You know, it became a thing here in Reno. And so um, for me, again, you took away the medication. Then you sent the kids home from school. And then the, the, the third one, you know, I would say the masking of them, the testing of them, the forcing to vaccinate them, that's all still my kid component. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. The third one that was the big one for me was the churches. So they closed the churches and I'm here in Nevada and I watched the casinos open. Yeah. I watched the dispensaries open. I watched all the big box stores open. I watched the liquor stores open. And then the final one, they opened the strip clubs. They opened the strip clubs, but the casinos were closed. I mean, the churches were closed. And I said, okay, all right, guys. All right, look, I'm not, I'm not that sharp, but there's something going on here. So I filed a lawsuit in Las Vegas in federal court. We lost. We appealed it to the Ninth Circuit, had three Trump judges. We got all Nevada churches open 10 days before Christmas in 2020. That's when the phone started ringing. They're like, yo, you got to run for governor. I'm like, I'm not running for governor. I said, you're out of your mind. dude. I want nothing to do with this. I said, I've just spent a year with these insane people. And let me tell you something. These people, these corrupt career politicians are the reason why we are, are where we are at today yep. in, the, in the nation with Biden. Go look at Brandon. Okay, so we got Brandon. Then we've got Newsom, we've got Sisolak. The career politicians have destroyed this country. They keep getting voted in. We won't even get into the election stuff, but they keep getting voted in because they have a, a little game that they're playing where you can't hold them accountable. Otherwise, people are smart. Newsom would have been pitched. I knew more Democrats 
this last time that we're so excited to recall this guy and you're going to try and tell me he got more votes than when he ran? Like, come on, dude. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, so again, uh, medication, kids, and then the churches. And so we have fought these guys. I filed lawsuits against the mask mandate. I filed lawsuits against the vaccine mandate of our university kids. Again, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. So people that try to say this, excuse me, I was in the military. I had got every vaccine on demand. You didn't even get to say no. They just sat you down and said, shut up. All of a sudden, you're like getting eight shots. Okay, if you get sick, you get sick. You're done. So that wasn't that. I got it. I had COVID. I can read. John Hopkins says I have 27 times the, the immunity, the strong strength and immunity than getting this thing. So why would I get it? So right. I'm not anything. I'm a freedom of choice. You yeah. want it? God bless you. Go get it. But if you don't want it, no one should force you. And same thing with the masks. The masks are off. And you're still seeing people out there wearing them. I just want to give these people a hug. Like, come here, you little knucklehead. I want to give them a little noogie. Like, you you get you a little thing. You little, where you gonna wear your mask? You go back over there. They want to, cool. Let they want to. God bless them. Force that on everyone else is absolutely insanity. And I know that this is something that you've been fighting on a lot of different fronts. And you're getting a ton of traction, and you're leading, and you are getting, you know, this really like this, this kind of persona of being, like you said, the people's champ that people want to get behind. And I'm really curious to know, like, if you are someone that, well, did, did you see yourself like wanting to just fight this fight and, you know, kind of doing what you can, or now has it turned into something so much bigger than yourself and and what is kind of your plan and approach for, being a politician, like how do you how do you flip that identity switch, you know, for or do you not consider yourself a politician and you're just kind of, you know, playing in this arena in a in a game that you know you have to play in to win the game that you're trying to win? Oh, I mean, that's a that's a that's a, an interesting one to unpack. I would say this, you know, man, I'm a father first. Yeah. You know, first and foremost, I love being a dad. I mean, more than anything. And I'm attacking this like a dad would attack it. Like you mess with our kids, yeah. right? And I'm also pretty good at business. And what I've seen after sitting down with some of these people, like I started saying, like these politicians, you know, I've sat down and looked at some budgets. I've looked at some stuff and it was just horrifying. These people have billion dollar, literally billion dollar budgets, $5 billion budgets. I mean, Maddie, they shouldn't run a lemonade stand. They can't answer a simple question. They don't even know what they're talking about. It's absolutely disgusting. All right. And so I would, I'd say it's become bigger than that now, because now I know we can't trust these people. I know they're not in there for the right reasons. I know they're in there because it benefits them. It benefits their family. They're, they're also almost all of them are corrupt and stealing from the system in one way or another. It's all about them. It's about what's, what's best for them. It's not about what's best for the people. It's definitely not what's the best, best for the kids. Nevada has the worst school system in the nation. It's been that way for a decade straight. We fund at the same rate as Florida. Florida's number three in the nation. There's seven other states that fund at the same rate as us that are doing far better in the 2025. We are 50th. And a, and a lady that I was in Incline Village, place you're familiar with, I'm up at Tahoe giving a speech. And I said, we're 50th in the nation. And some mom goes, Mr. Gilbert, I don't want to correct you, but um, we're 51st. I'm, I'm thinking real quick. Like, like I said, math's not my biggest subject. I'm like, 51st. How are we 51st? She goes, Puerto Rico is better than us. And I was like, holy God. I mean, and you know, you hear stories about Puerto Rico. So when she said that to me, it was like, okay, so this has now evolved to be bigger than, you know, I did. I honestly, Matt, I would have been in and out like a robbery. No, no pun intended. I would have fixed things because I like being that, you know, doer. I don't need any recognition. I don't need nothing, man. I was just going to, you know, get these things open. But as I looked at stuff, I said, wow, this is some broken, S-H-I-T, like this stuff is really corrupt to the core, broken to the core. And the reason why I went from, I was going to do just this people's champ where I was going to try and fix the schools to I'm unpeeling these layers and I'm going like, oh my God, oh my God, like I'm not going to be able to do this from here. And so I remember saying like, who makes this decision? Who gets to do this? They're like the governor. I'm like, who does this? The governor. I'm like, I got to run for governor. You know what? That's it. I got to run for governor. People are like, don't you think you should run for, I'm like, no, because I don't get to if I'm an assemblyman, I don't get to do that. State senator, I don't get to do that. Train. What, who, who gets to say you're fired on this right here? Who gets to replace this person? 
who gets to use the bully pulpit to go out and campaign, remove school board members, recall them, replace them. And they're like, well, the governor. And I'm like, then that's it. I'm running for governor. You know, it really kind of came like that. And so it's now about, you know, doing what's right for the people. And again, like I said, I represent all Nevadans, man. And again, people know that. Like I said, you want to you believe in that? Fine. You know, but we're just not going to impose it on other people. We had our knucklehead graduate students at the University of Nevada, Reno last week. We're marching around. Okay, this made national news. I was embarrassed. It's the long night of the year. I was laughing at when I saw this shit. Dude, I wanted to go up there with a megaphone, but then some of my people said, like, I got good people. And they're like, you can't do that. But I was going to go. I wanted to counter protest them because I thought it'd be funny. But I'm sitting there going, like, these are graduate students. I said, they need to, like, first of all, take that K95 off because you need a little oxygen to your brain. Walk your happy little butt to the library, pick up a copy of the Constitution and George Orwell's 1984, read both of those, and then get back to me. Because you trying to man, I mean, when have you ever seen college kids protesting for less liberty? Like it was just like to me, I was like, I, I just couldn't believe it. So that just that should tell you where we're at. I was so we're up. If for those that don't know what we're talking about, it was a video of, you know. And I don't like stereotyping people, but stereotypes often are stereotypes for a particular reason, um, because oftentimes they are true. And it was just, you know, it was a group of people that were wearing, you know, they were multiple different, you know, colored hairs and their leather boots. And, you know, they were, you know, ultimately just running around campus, reinstate the mask mandate. And it it, it was just like, I was laughing. I was like, they got to be kidding. But, you know, I think there's so many people that are in positions of like you, right? You're a leader, you're a smart business owner, you're a smart investor, you've got quality core values, you're aligned with our constitution. And many people feel like the system is so corrupt and so broken that it's not even worth the energy and effort to try and fix it because they don't feel like they can fix it. And then there's leaders like you who go, we have to fix it. And we have to. when we can't, yeah. it, what do you say to the other people that really should be and are capable of stepping up to make a difference? Because you're a perfect example of what a grassroots leader, now a large, you know, uh, platform behind you, you know, what, what, what that can look like and how that can be possible for other people and the difference that that can make. It's very simple, man. Everybody can make a difference. Get in the fight. Stop running your mouth. Stop. I mean, you probably one of those people that's been bitching and complaining about everything this past two years. Get in the fight. Every single person can make a difference. What I watch the women do, first of all, I got to give a shout out to the women because the mama bears, like the guys were just, you know, like you said, just stuck in the mud, not really sure what to do. The women took the women took charge. That's who I was escorted into county commissions and school boards with and health boards with. We went to the gaming control board, these mama bears. And I'll say this, they came in every shape and color. They had purple hair. They had blue hair. They had nose rings. They had tattoos. They didn't give a what. They just were like, you have crossed the line with my child. You're trying to say, I have to put them in a mask. I have to do this. They were done. And I'll tell you, man, one of the funniest things I'll still remember is we're walking into a county commission meeting and there's this, this ginormous guy. He's like 6'6". Six, six. He's got one of those big beards. He's got one of those like blue masks on that. I mean, it does nothing. It's out literally like three inches off his face. It's on this thing and he's wearing it. And the wife is ahead of him and she's charging. And we're about to walk in and she turns around to him. And she goes, and get that ridiculous mask off your face. You look like a huge pussy like this. And I just start cracking up because this guy is towering. And so he, he promptly pulls it off. And then you see the other guys, the other dads in the group take their masks off because the women have just had it. They've just given the order. And we're storming the building, right? And again, this is where I mean, people got to understand, like, this was my first protest, my first rallies, my first anything. So people will bring up, I was in the Capitol on January 6th. I wasn't part of the Stop the Steal. I was at a medical you know, freedom rally, a medical tyranny rally, talking about masks, telling people, watch out. They're going to do vaccine mandates, you know, and then what happened. And so I'm very proud. And I think it's now people that have seen what's going on and, have, and, and the moms that went to the school board meetings and were kicked out because they didn't have a mask on or, or whatever they did, as you've seen across the country, Loudoun County and stuff like that. I think now people are like, you know what? God bless Joey Gilbert for being out there in D.C. 
on January 6th, sticking out for our freedoms. You know, this was going to be their biggest hit piece against me. They were going to use it to take me down. I wasn't an insurrectionist. I didn't go near the Capitol. But you're damn right I was there making my voice heard about we're done with the mass. We're done with the home, you know, the distance learning. We're you know, let our kids back in school. So I would say this. General Flynn says this. Local involvement, national impact. Every single person that's watching this podcast you absolutely can make a difference. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. Get down to your school board. Get down to your county commission. Get down to your city council. Get down to your health board. Read these people the Ride Act. They work for us. They're accountable to us. They serve at our pleasure. They do not call the shots. Parents make the medical decisions for their children. Parents make the decisions on what our children learn. Not some bunch of government, you know, you know, pardon my French, idiots that have been in far too long and don't give a damn about our kids. They care about themselves and their power. So you get involved at the local level, start fighting, call like-minded parents, and you'll be surprised. There's tons of them everywhere. Pick up the phone with someone that feels like you and say, let's go and get down to that school board and you'll make it change. You'll make it fast so quick. Look what they just did in San Francisco. They threw three of them out and they never saw that coming. And a red wave, and I'm just, I'm saying this, this isn't about Republican and Democrat. I want to say this very clearly because I have more independents, more nonpartisans, more Democrats supporting me than any other candidate. This is why I'm going to steamroll everybody. It's going to be just a, a pounding like they've never seen because this is one tent. This is not about Republican, Democrat. This is about America. This is an American thing. This is about freedom of choice. This is about life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. It's about God, family, country, the Constitution, all right, the Bill of Rights, the Ten Commandments, and the Golden Rule. That's what we're doing now. We're taking back our country. I'm ready to run through a wall right now. We got so many people that are going to want to follow you, that are going to want to know more about, you know, what you're doing, how they can support your campaign. What's the best way for them to do that? Dude, number one thing is just go on Gilbert for governor. It's very simple. Gilbert, G-I-L-B-E-R-T. See that up there? Gilbert for governor. I'm always terrible about this. I don't ask. Everyone tells me you don't ask for money. I'm like, you know, man, I'm really bad at trying to be a politician. Go on Gilbert for governor. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram, but please check out my message. And again, if you want help to get involved in your local community, send us an email. We've got the citizen Corps through America's frontline doctors. And I'd encourage people like, look, don't take my word for it. I'm telling you there's medication to get through, you know, COVID. I'm telling you that this, this Fauci out is bad. Don't believe me. Go on America's frontline doctors, go on the healthy American, go on, you know, critical front care, critical care Alliance. Go listen to these other very, very smart doctors, get informed, but then get out there and start punching back, fighting back because our way of life is under attack and we've had enough. So gilbertforgovernor.com. And I would definitely appreciate your vote. I'd appreciate contributions. Like right now, it really is me against the world because all the big corporations, they want to only work with people that they can control. So Joe Lombardo, the sheriff from Las Vegas, who's not even a rhino, I call him a big government Republican because they believe the government can solve everything. If there's one thing we just learned, ladies and gentlemen that are watching this, the government can't do squat. They're terrible at the mail. They're terrible at healthcare. They're terrible at fixing the coronavirus, any of that stuff. We want the government out of our lives, out of our businesses, out of our churches, out of our schools, and definitely out of our doctor's you know, hands. Stop, stop, stop tying our doctor's hands. So I would say go on Gilbert for governor and get in the fight. Well, the silent majority is no longer being so silent. And we're seeing when people have leaders like you and moms and dads and individuals who didn't think that they had a platform or influence now really understanding how much power we hold. It's amazing to see what you've yeah. done. And I'm just grateful and for, for people like you that are stepping up. I want to ask one or two more questions before we wrap up today. Sure. Uh, what is some of your career political bucket list items? You talked about your bucket list items as, you know, in your personal life and what you want to accomplish before you kick the bucket. What about in the political arena? Well, number one, my number one priority is fixing our schools. Like I got my message, my marching orders from the moms, the, the mama bears are, they're the, they're the backbone of this country, just like the truckers are for business. Hmm. And um, these moms, I mean, I get them out there. They were so courageous and they were so fierce for their children and they want these schools fixed. They want their kids learning, reading, writing, arithmetic, English, you know, government, the constitution, and I'm going to fix these schools. The one thing I will do is work so hard. I want to make vouchers available to all. I want to be the first state in the union that does full vouchers 
Do you want to take your $10,000 to $11,000 education voucher, have your own little learning lab at home, your own homeschool? And I encourage those moms to get with other moms who are like-minded because homeschoolers dominated uh, this through this pandemic. They did so well. My daughter's a year ahead. So are these other kids. They did so well. And for the parents say, you know, Joey, we can't do that. Well, yeah, we're going to make sure you can. We're going to make sure that you have the financial wherewithal to do it. Because if you get with other parents like that, you can pull four or five, six kids together. You know, you can definitely do that. Another thing is these learning labs, like I talked about, I can't say schools or I get in trouble, but just like the Boys and Girls Club, Maddie, how about this? You know, I found out after doing my research that the Washoe County School District has a $1 billion budget. The Clark County School District has a $5 billion budget. We can save 30 to 40% conservatively just by privatizing lots of stuff. Do you know what we could do with 1.5 billion or 350 million? That's every kid in this county with a brand new computer. We could have 24 hour learning labs where these kids could come get fed, do workouts, have 24 hour you know, tutoring and teachers around them, which would come in. Some would volunteer, others would be paid. We would staff it 24 seven, all right? So I wanna revolutionize and reimagine and re- renovate the way the schools work and just fix schools are number one. Number two is election integrity. We've got to get back our elections. We fix our elections. We fix everything. That's simple stuff. Voter ID, get rid of these mail-in ballots that are everywhere. Bipartisan, you know, um, unbiased, you know, tabulation of the votes. And then figuring out the economy is going to be simple. You can't have terrible schools and think you're going to do better in the economy. But we got to do stuff. No taxes, no tax increases, sunset the taxes we were supposed to. So my political goals are very simple. They're, they're goals from the people, the, the, the working men and women in Nevada. And that is improve the schools, fix the, the elections, you know, bring help to the economy. And that and by that, you just get rid of all the mandates. Stop tying you know, people's hands. Get rid of all these regulations and rules. And government has no business in these areas. So we're going to get them out. And then the, the fourth one is, is, is crime. You know, we need to untie our officers' hands. We need tough cops. We need to unpoliticize the DAs, the city councils. You know, you can't, you look what they're doing in San Francisco, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're robbing these stores blind. That's not going to happen. Under a Gilbert administration, you break the law, you break people's stuff, you steal, you're going to sit your butt in jail. You know, so we're going to do stuff like that. No sanctuary cities. And again, I want legal immigration. Our immigrants are, are such an important part of our country, but we've got to shut that border. And again, this is the Latino demographic coming to me saying, listen, cabron, <laughs> we got to get this, you know, you got to shut this border. I'm going, I'm a governor, dude. I, I don't have control over that. But maybe we lean on Newsom. Maybe we lean on Abbott, you know, because we got to close this border. So my goals are very simple. Fix our schools, fix our economy, protect our beautiful resources, you know, our water, our air, you know, our crime, make sure we have safe communities and safe businesses. And then again, like I said, uh, make sure people can, can carry their, their, their firearms if they want to. I want to protect our Second Amendment, but I want to make Nevada a constitutional carry state. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, criminals don't obey the law. They're not the guys. They're the guys with guns anyway. So I want, you know, what do they say? What's the number one way to stop a, a mass shooting? Good guy with a gun. So those are my political goals. They're all outlined on my website, Gilbert for Governor. Those 10 things. One last thing I'll say, I want to make Nevada the fight capital of the world again. We lost too many big fights to Jerry Jones, to Florida, to Abu Dhabi because of our idiot governor shutting down our state like that. We didn't need to do it. And being a fighter, I want to, I want to, you know, uh, revolutionize the commission process, make it super efficient, super affordable, and not lose a single fight to any other state. I love it, man. Well, for those that want to know more about Joey, everything that he just said, more details, we'll link up all of his websites and resources in the show notes at millionermindcast.com. Joey, brother, I appreciate you, Thanks, man. I appreciate man. how you show up, how you lead. Uh, and I have no doubt <laughs> that you're not only going to be the governor, but I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what, what happens after that is uh, solidified for you and, and the impact that you're going to have, man. And um, just just grateful to know you. Thanks for coming on the show today. Maddie, thank you so much for having me on here, man. I appreciate it. And man, I can't wait to get together with you again soon. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just 
level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info and how you can connect with us live in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always wanna know, who do you guys wanna hear me interview next? Let me know, shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friend.